Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Well, good morning. Come on, let's do that again. Good morning. It's always good to see my favorite service, second service. You're looking amazing. Can you give yourself a round of applause for looking so good? Man, for those of you that are with us for the first time, my name is Carrie. Uh, my wife and I are some of the pastors here at the Movement Church. She was up here a moment in the Wonder Woman cape looking so fantastic. I told her I think her mom shaped her out of clay and asked God to breathe life into her, just like Wonder Woman. Can I get an amen? amen from? Yeah, oh, that was good. That was good. Man, we're so glad that you're with us today. You chose the best Sunday to be a part of church. And let me just tell you, I, I could not reiterate or echo any further or stronger the words that Nicole just spoke on the screen. Man, one of the greatest things that you can do, maybe you've been here at the Movement Church for a few weeks, maybe a few months, maybe today is your first time. I want to tell you, the greatest step that you could probably take would be to come to our Welcome to Church party today, immediately after this service. And listen, we've removed all the obstacles. We have some internationally known chicken salad sandwiches that are award-winning all around the world that you cannot miss. We will take care of your children. We will feed your kids and not a lot of sugar, so they'll go home and take naps. Everything that you need is there. Let me tell you why. Man, we really do believe that church is about so much more than attendance. It's about belonging. And man, we would love to share with you our story. You can find out how we got here and, you know, the whole journey for us. But really, it's not even about us. We love to get to know you. We like to hear your story and, and what's going on in your life. Because our prayer, our hope, would just to be a, be a part of, of God's plan for your life. And we won't know unless we get to know you. So today, immediately following this service, just jump into the Welcome to Church party. Take about 35, 45 minutes. You'll get some food. Your kids will be taken care of. And it'll probably be the best step you can take. So make sure, if you haven't done that, if this is your first time, your 14th time, maybe you've been here for six months and you've never been, this is the day to attend. It's going to be spectacular. And actually, I'm, I'm excited about a few things. One of the things that I love about the church that you're at. I really do think you chose a great church to be a part of, not because of me, but because of the people that you're seated next to. And, and let me tell you about them. Most of them are awesome. Some of them are crazy, so be careful. Watch your stuff. You know, hide your purse and your kids. It's going to be okay. But listen, we're committed to making a difference in the region that we live in. In fact, not only just our church, but we're gathering together with hundreds of churches around the nation and even the world on July 15th to say, hey, we're going to reach out into the community that we live in to make a difference with no strings attached. We call it Serve OC. And if you have not signed up for this, you don't want to miss it. July 15th, we're going to gather together and then disperse. We've got people that are going to make care packages for some of the Marine families whose spouse or mom or dad have been deployed. We've got a few Marines that are a part of our church and there's a few of them on deployment for three and six months, and we want their families to know, hey, you're not alone, we love you, and we're behind you. And so there's going to be people building some care packages for that. We're going to be feeding the homeless in Santa Ana just to say, hey, you're not forgotten. You're still valuable, and we love you. There's a, a whole crew of people baking cookies and brownies and all kinds of amazingness, and they're going to go to different first responders, to police stations, fire stations, hospitals, and just drop those goodies off and say, hey, we love you. We're behind you. You've got a church praying for you and grateful for you. And that's where all the single ladies like to go, fire station to fire station, dropping off some goodies. I think they drop off their cell phone numbers too, and that's okay. We don't mind. But we just want to make a difference. So if you have not signed up to be part of this, something's wrong. Change that today. Let me tell you how easy it is. You can literally pull your cell phone out right now and text the word serve OC to the number that's on our screen. It's so simple. I see none of you grabbing your phone. So you're all signed up or you don't care about me, one of the two. But sign up today, and we're going to give you a free T-shirt, although shirts are limited for people that have not signed up yet. So sign up quickly. You don't want to miss it. But not because of the free T-shirt. Let me tell you why. We want to make a difference in the community and the region that we live in. And we can't do that through osmosis or just thinking good thoughts or putting out good vibes. We actually have to do it. 
So why not serve the community with some great people? I think it'll change your life for about four hours on a Saturday, and we can make a profound difference. Can you do that today? Awesome, awesome, awesome. One more thing, and I'm going to jump into our message. Man, one of the things that we love at the Movement Church is we are all about the church, not just this church, but there's a lot of great churches around Orange County, San Diego, Los Angeles that are just doing amazing things, and we are not too arrogant to think that we're the only church. In fact, we aggressively, financially invest in other churches, specifically church planters, people who are crazy enough, bold enough to say, man, I'm going to answer the call of God and start a church from scratch. We give a large portion of our finances to help those men and women because, ladies and gentlemen, that's what this church was. We started from nothing with a group of crazy people who said, maybe if we kind of collaborate, we can change Orange County, and man, I've got some great friends with me today, and I just want to honor them. They are two different church planters, planting two different churches in South County, San Diego, and North County, San Diego. Would you guys just do me a favor, just wave Nick and Kendra Jones and Dan and Allison and Glacey. Y'all give them a great hand clap. Come on. They're good friends of ours, and we're excited to be a part of what God's doing. Thank you for answering the call. We're behind you, not just in heart. But also financially, we're not just because we help ARC, but we're also going to help you guys with your church plant because that's what we do. And so those of you that are here, when you see them afterwards, give them a fist bump and just encourage them in the journey. Hey, listen, look at me real quickly before I dive into the sermon. Maybe you're brand new here and you're thinking this is strange. But we are committed to advancing all that God wants to do. And it cannot happen through one church. We'd be naive and arrogant to think that. So we are aggressive about joining hands with other churches to say, hey, let's reach people with the hope of who Jesus is. Can we one more time give it up for some great church planters? Well, I think I did three announcements in four minutes, so I feel like I should get a gold star after church. But let's dive into this series, man. I'm excited. You, you came on the right Sunday. We're in the middle of a series called Freeway. Everybody say Freeway. And this is a not-so-perfect guide to discovering freedom. And all of us need freedom because all of us have issues. And if you don't think you have an issue, that is your issue, my friend. I mean, here's the truth. All of us in this room, we have our stories. Many of us have chapters in the stories of our life that we look at, and it is just beautiful. Moments that you go, this was an amazing season, an amazing component of my life. And then there's those of us that have chapters that have pain and regret. In fact, my friends, you and I cannot live the story of our life with only beauty. We will all experience some pain. The problem is we have to do something with that pain or it becomes a problem. And I think one of the issues that we have, one of our problems, is that we lack the transparency required to walk through life honestly with people. Because here's something, this myth that we have believed, that in isolation I can make it through my problems. I got this on my own. I'm strong enough, I'm smart enough, I'm good enough, I can handle this. And my friends, that couldn't be further from the truth. We need God. And we need great people in our life. And maybe you're here today and you're not sure what it is that you believe. Maybe you're here and you're not sure where you stand on this whole Jesus thing, Christianity thing. And I just want to go ahead and, and ease the tension in the room. If you're here, permission to belong before it is that you believe. It's okay. You're welcome to be here. In fact, maybe you're searching for a church home. Can I just tell you the search is over? But there are some of us in this room today who would say, I'm a Christ follower. I'm following Jesus the best I can with my life. Well, can I just tell you, friends, that Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we would live a life of slavery to our hurts, our habits, and our hang-ups. There's hope. There's an answer. There's an answer. Jesus died so that we could live a free way. And so this journey for the next six weeks on Sundays is unpacking some simple practical steps to experience freedom in our life that all of us crave and desire. But we didn't just do this on Sundays. We've also paired this with our connect groups. These are small groups that meet throughout the area at different times of the week and different days of the week. And 
different seasons of life. And, and why? Because life change never happens in the context of rows. It always happens in circles. When we get to know each other well enough to say, man, this is the thing that I struggle with. And other people have the courage to say, yeah, me too. And so as a church, we're going through this workbook in our small groups. Every connect group is going through this. If you have not engaged yet, this is the greatest time to do so. You can text the word connect to the number that will be on the screen. We use that all the time, so just save it in your phone. My group met yesterday, 8 a.m. at the Kaleidoscope. Nine of us guys, all from different seasons of life, one uh, in his late teens, uh, other that has teenage children and married and single and everybody in between. And we just sat across from each other with no pretense, no, no ambition, all of us with hurt and pain and beauty in our stories. And we were just real with each other. And we didn't make a commitment to being perfect afterwards. We just made a commitment to being available. And I just wonder what God could do in your life and in mine if we would just do two things over the next six weeks, be here on Sundays. And I know you got vacations planned, that's okay. When you miss it, get the podcast and jump back in, but also jump into a connect group. I believe that if you'll be here and you'll jump into a connect group and you work through this workbook, your life won't be perfect at the end of six weeks. I believe that with all my heart, it won't be. But I do believe that in a few weeks with some great people around you, God can do some profound things if we'll be available. Today I want to talk about step one, awareness. Everybody say awareness. But before I do, I want to just take a moment to pray as we prepare our hearts. Would you do me a favor as I pray? Would you just simply mix your faith with mine? And here's what I'm asking. Again, y'all are already bowing your heads. You can look up here for one minute. Hold on, hold on. I know you're ready. But before we pray, I'm not asking you to believe every word that I speak today. I'm not. I would, that would be naive and arrogant of me. But what if for just 29 minutes, we just were like, okay, God, I'm open to, to whatever it is that you want to do. I, I'm, I'm cool with that. And the way we say it at the Movement Church is I'm going to give you permission to rearrange the furniture of my life. Can we do that just, just for 30 minutes today and, and just see what God wants to do? Would you bow your heads now <laughs> and close your eyes and let's just pray and ask God to do just something profound, not... Not mediocre, not mundane, not normal, not everyday, just something profound. Lord, we just come before you and we just ask you to do something unique. God, truthfully, sometimes it's hard to come into the doors of a church and sometimes it's hard to even be open because when we explore what it is that we need to work on, it, it can be painful. And so God, honestly, some of us today are praying this prayer from a position of a little bit of, of timidity and fear. Some of us are eager and gun-ho, just like ready to do whatever it is and be and change. But God, just where, would you meet us where we're at? We, we open our hearts and, and, and our ears to hear and receive whatever it is that you want to do in our life. We give you permission to rearrange the furniture of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Everybody say awareness. Today I'm going to ask you quite a few questions, and, and truthfully, you probably won't be able to answer them today. In fact, it'll be challenging, so I want to encourage you to take notes. If you'd like to, you can text the word notes to the number that'll be on the screen, and it'll send you a link to pull up, and you can follow along with us. That way, if you kind of get lost in the amazingness that is me, you can get back to your... Now, y'all didn't laugh on that one. That was a little awkward. Let's move on. So, Listen, follow along. I think it'll be worth it. But I want to ask you a couple of questions, and, and I just want to start kind of big, kind of vague, kind of ambiguous, but I, I feel like it kind of launches us into this series, and that question is this. How aware are you? Not your neighbor, not your spouse, not your friend, not your coworker, not the person that you brought with you today, just you specifically. How aware are you? Right here in this moment, how aware are you? Are you? I think we struggle with this idea of awareness, and in this next week, as you're exploring the step one in your freeway books, I found this quote from Scott Peck that I thought was pretty profound. Look at what it says. Human beings are poor self-examiners, subject to superstition, bias, prejudice, and a profound tendency to see what they want to see rather than what is really there. I think we struggle with the idea of self 
awareness. Here's what I want to do. I want to kind of give you a test. I want you to watch a video. Before we do this, if you've seen this, don't tell your neighbor about it. I will be very angry with you. But I want you to watch this video. It's a YouTube, horrible quality, but just check this out. On this video, you're going to see a, white, a team in white and a team in black. And what I want you to do is count the number of times that the team in white passes the rubber band ball. I'll go ahead and put this up. It's a little cheesy, but just bear with me. So we have the team in black and we have a team in white. And I want you to count the number of times that the team in white passes the rubber band ball. Are you ready? With some amazing music. Here, ready to go. One, two, keep count, keep watching. Grown adults acting like fools. Keep counting. All right, all right. Okay, on the count of three, I want you to shout out the number of times that you counted. Ready? One, two, three, go. Some of you said five. We are praying for you. The answer is, are you ready? Thirteen. How many of you guessed thirteen? Raise your hand. Okay, good, good. Now, here's the real question. How many of you saw the gorilla kung fu its way through the middle? Watch this again for the four of you that are really aware. Check this out. Here we go. Here they are acting like idiots. And then, boom, gorilla kung fu right there in the middle. You see it now? Just kung fuing its way right through the middle. Some of you were not aware at all. We were praying. No, I'm kidding. Most, most people didn't even see us in first service. Y'all need to really pray for first service. I, I think the truth is we want to think we're aware. We want to think we are aware of what our challenges are, aware of what our problems are, aware of what our blind spots are. But the truth is, if we're honest with ourselves, we're going through life, and there's this nunchucking kung fu gorilla kind of working his way right through the middle of who we are because we really have a challenge being self-aware. My pastor in Arizona used to say this all the time. He said the greatest form of deception is self-deception. How many of you in this room have a dog? Raise your hand. I've talked about my dog before. I've got an 85-pound black lab who eats everything she gets her eyes on. You may know what counter surfing is? None of you. So what she'll do if she smells or hints at or thinks that there might be food items on the countertop, she will maneuver her body in a way that she'll get everything off the counter and consume it. There was a time when we came home from church and she would consumed an entire pack of Oreos, a loaf of bread, and half of a raw chicken. And then she deposited a little treat for us on the floor in the living room. Can I get an amen from some people? So we had to do what's called Lucy-proofing the house when we would leave. We had to get child-proof locks on the cabinets and the pantries and the drawers. And we had to make sure to cover the couches and like barricade into the living room because she would just lay on everything she wasn't supposed to lay on. We had to lock the doors to all the bedrooms and the bathrooms because she would rummage through the trash and then go lay with her nasty, stank, greasy body on our bed. We'd go to bed at night and smell nasty, stank. My wife thought it was me. I was like, it was Lucy, I promise. So we locked every door in our home, bedrooms, bathrooms, and, and it's just a little handle, right? And so there's a little key that's like a little bobby pin kind of size that kind of fits perfectly in, and you kind of have to like hit the little groove and click, and it opens, and you're good to go. But we would lock the doors. Every day when we would leave, and as you know, when you come home from a trip, if you're like me, I have a bladder the size of an infant's bladder, so whether it's a mile or 50 miles, I have to use the restroom before I get home. Anybody else like that? You feel my pain, right? So I'm coming home from a trip, probably to a grocery store, not a real trip. I have to go to the restroom, and I run in to go and grab the key where it's always located. We always put the key where it always goes, because if you put it back where it goes, then it'll be there when you need it. Anybody else that's organized and structured, thank you. I love all of you. The rest of you, we're praying for you right now. So I come in, I need to use the restroom, and I can't find the key. It's gone. So I did what Jesus would do, and I started yelling at my children, hey, where'd you put the key? Well, it wasn't me. Yes, it's always you. I always put it back where it goes. It wasn't me. Yes, it was. So then I did the second thing Jesus would do, and I yelled at my wife. Hey, where's the key? It wasn't me. I didn't. We can't even get in the bathroom to get a bobby pin because the bathroom door is locked, people. I'm going to bust it down. I don't know what to do. I find the junk drawer in our kitchen, and all of you have it. I know you do. 
batteries and scissors and food. I don't know why there's food in there. And I pull it open. I find a bobby pin. I go to the restroom. And I come back out and I say, you come over here, kids. This is where the key goes, right here on the countertop. Always has, always will. Say it with me. Always has, always will. Right? Put it back here before you go into your room. Unlock the door, put it back. Unlock the door, put it back. Say it with me. Are y'all tracking? I'm like, I'm teaching. Raise up a child the way he should go. When he gets old, he'll put the key where it goes. Can I get an amen? So that night, I'm going to bed, and, and, and I do everything. I have a specific order. People call it OCD. I call it excellence. I have a specific order. Man, somebody got the spirit today. I have a specific order and a place for everything. I have this little cradle that my watch charges on, and my phone is there, and I'm going to bed, and I take off my watch, and I reach down to put it on the charging dock. Right there on my side of the bed. On my nightstand. So I did what any great Christ follower would do is I quietly put it in my pocket. And I walk down the hallway. And I'm putting it very nonchalant on the counter as Brooklyn walks out going, Dad, you had the key. I said, no, it was your mom. I knew it was her. I thought everybody else was a problem, but it was me. I was the one who didn't put the key where it went. And unfortunately, so many of us do this in life. We're great at seeing other people's flaws, blind spots, and challenges. But when it comes to actually evaluating my weakness, my issues, my blind spots, it's like we're living life with a gorilla kung fuing its way through. All of us, listen, every single person has a blind spot, little or big, whether it's spiritual or not, we all have them. Some of us in this room, our blind spot is we dominate conversation. Every conversation we're in, we are talking the longest, the most, the loudest, and nobody can get a word in edgewise. If you're laughing, it's not you. If you're quiet, maybe some of you are sinking into your seats right now. Some of us have irritating mannerisms. Others of us are name droppers. Every conversation we get in, we talk about who we know. There's some of us in this room, I know you specifically, you are great at violating personal space. Anybody else have like a bubble around you that you don't let people get close? Yeah, right? You know what I'm saying? Right. And the people that, that are close talkers, they have no clue. They're like right here. You can smell the halitosis. You know what they ate for lunch last week? And then I do this little thing where I put my foot here and I lean back. And some people are so good, they're like leaning in like this is an invitation to hug or something. Are you tracking with me? Other of us, of us are, are so concerned about our level of intellectualism, and so we talk and try to sound smart. I don't even know if intellectualism is a word. I just did it. Some of us use humor to mask insecurities. All of us have blind spots. And the truth is, I think that if, if we were honest, if, if this was a one-on-one -on -one coffee session with just you and me, and, and, and we were to talk, and, and I was to ask some probing questions about you and your life and and where you're headed, you might be like so many people in this room and you would say that the truth about me is I don't really know the truth about me. Some of these blind spots are seemingly insignificant. insignificant. Others have greater ramifications. There's a character in the Bible, one of my favorites, his name is David. Some of you have heard about him before. And the, the, the life that he lived was quite exciting because... He went from being this abandoned, like, least favorite son that was sent out to shepherd nasty sheep to becoming a king. And, and what God did in his life was absolutely amazing. And, and here's the thing about David. He gets this place of being a king, and he's everything that he could possibly want. Like, everything he could need is at his finger. He's the king. The king. And not only that, the Bible says that, that, that God had great plans for him, and even in his, his heritage, his lineage would come Jesus. And so here we have a king who has everything that he wanted in life except for one thing. There's a woman named Bathsheba. It wasn't his wife. She was the wife of a simple soldier who didn't have much of anything. And his name was Uriah. And David saw this woman Bathsheba and wanted her. And because he was the king, he got what he wanted. 
And then he went on living life as if it was okay, but everybody in the land knew about it, and, and he just kind of ignored it, wasn't aware to it. It was a blind spot for him. So God sends this guy named Nathan to talk to him about it, but he does so in this parable, this word picture kind of way, and I want to read it to you in 2 Samuel chapter 12. It'll be on the screens behind me. The Lord sent Nathan to David, and when he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except a little ewe lamb that he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children, and it shared his food, and it drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was as if it was a daughter to him. And now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man, and he prepared it for the one who had come to him. Verse 5, David burned with anger against the man. And he said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. And he must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. And Nathan stepped up to the plate and he said to David, you are the man. He said, David, this is a blind spot for you. You did this very thing with Uriah's wife. This isn't about some other person in the kingdom. David, you are the man. This story is about you. And I think that if We'll just be open for a moment today. I think that today, right here in Serrano Intermediate, I believe that this story is about you and about me. Unfortunately, we come to settings like this and we hear stories and we talk about awareness and we start to think of the people who really need this message. Can't wait till the podcast comes out. My husband's not here. I'm sending it to him right away. But this story and this message is really about you and about me, because every single one of us has spiritual blind spots. Every single one of us has things that we need to work through. And here's something that I've been praying specifically, and I would challenge you to do the same as you're going through this series with us over the next few weeks. And that's a simple prayer that says, God, would you let me know as much truth about myself as I can possibly bear? I think if God was really honest with me and just said, hey, this is everything you need to change. I probably couldn't handle it. Some of you might be stronger than I am, but I just wonder if we might pray a prayer like that. God, would you just let me know what are the things, just as much as I can bear, I, I want to make some changes. I want to make some adjustments. I want to take the right steps to be aware so that I can live life the free way. I asked them to find a specific slide that's in this book, and so I had to pull that one of the pages out. We're going through this as a connect group, and I'm going to reference this every, every week, and if you're in a connect group, you're going through it too, but look at this slide from page 60, and it's so profound, especially in relation to what we're talking about today. This is how fast is your life right now? How fast is your life right now? We've got resting, limping, walking, running, racing, supersonic, and the next question is, how long has it been this way, days, weeks, or months? And I just wonder, if we're honest, I, I think so many of us, especially in the culture that we live in, we're going anywhere from running, racing, to supersonic. And you, one of the questions that we have to ask is, what is the leading cause? And remember, I told you to ask questions. What's the leading cause for our lack of self-awareness? Why is it that we struggle with this? I mean, we could say a lot of things. Some of us could say, well, maybe it's pride. I just, I'm not willing to ask for help. I'm not willing to do what it takes. I'm strong enough. I'm smart enough. And gosh darn it, people like me. I can do, I can do this thing. And, or maybe it's ignoring my past. Because the moment we start to talk about our past, it regurgitates some of the pain that we've walked through. The person who abandoned us, violated us. Or maybe if you're like me, the regret of the mistakes of yesterday. So we shove that down and we don't pay attention and we struggle with awareness. Maybe for some of us it's fear. 
fear of the unknown in the future, fear of what would happen if somebody actually understands or sees the dirt on the inside. All of these might be true, but I believe that the greatest enemy to awareness is hurry. Hurry. We get so focused on living life so fast-paced that we never slow down to watch and see what God wants to do. I was reading through in this week for awareness, and y'all will be going through it in this upcoming week, and this paragraph that Mike Foster wrote just kind of jumped off the pages. I want to read it to you. It says, our typical days involve sifting through a plague of 4,327 unread emails. He hit that number right on the head, didn't he? <laughs> Counting calories and venti frappuccinos, reading Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook streams, doing buckets of laundry, and shoving the kids off to taekwondo practice. Listen to this sentence for a moment. Distraction and busyness are the sickness of our generation and the cause of our blindness. Our lives are loaded up with so much momentum, energy, and blaring noise that slowing down will take some real focus and intentionality. I think some of us are scared to death to slow down. Scared to death. Even in a long pause in a pulpit sermon like this, we get a little awkwarded out, don't we? We're terrified of the silence. And what if my schedule isn't, what if I actually literally have to have a conversation with my spouse? For some reason in our culture, busyness is like a badge of honor. Busyness. If I'm constantly going, constantly doing something, it's like, it means that my life is more successful, more important, more relevant. But I think really it should become like a blinking red light on the dashboard of our life. For whatever reason, we use our super connectedness, super plugged in life to ignore the fact that I actually have some issues that God wants to work on in my life. And once we slow down, I'm actually forced to take a look. So I'm going to stay busy or hurry. John Ortberg in his book talks about the difference between hurried and busy. And I've got this kind of graph for you to look at. We've got busy means a full schedule, and that's not necessarily bad. That means that you're actually scheduling your life, and it's not running you, but you're running it. But hurried means I'm preoccupied, constantly on to the next scene. Busy means many activities. Again, that's not a problem to have many activities, but hurried means I'm unable to be fully present. And isn't that a huge problem in our culture today? When was the last time you had a lunch or a coffee with somebody, and one of the two or four of you didn't pull out your phone, to answer a text or an email or to scroll again through an Instagram feed that you've already seen. We're super connected to potentially all the wrong things. Look at this next one. Busy is an outward condition, whereas hurried is an inner condition of the soul. Busyness is being outward. There's something going on outside, but but hurried is there something internally I'm just avoiding, I'm, I'm ignoring, I'm, I'm trying to stay away from. But look at this next one. Busy is physically demanding, but hurried is spiritually draining. I wonder again if I was able to sit down with each of you one-on-one -on -one right now for some coffee, how many of you might say, I just, I came in here today and I just, I'm spiritually drained. I just feel empty. Or maybe you, you would ask the question, there's just got to be more, right? Or maybe to say, I just, I just don't feel connected to God. And I believe that's because being busy reminds me that I need God, whereas being hurried causes me to be completely unavailable to God. I'm so busy that I, I just got to keep going, got to keep going, so hurried, I got to keep going. That was an awkward shuffle. <laughs> I apologize for that. So hurried that I just got to... If I move on, I don't have to slow down to think through this. But you know who modeled this so well for us? is Jesus. Jesus did. And listen, he was busy. 
Don't think that he wasn't busy. He had three years of ministry and was headed towards a specific destination that would change the course of humanity. Every miracle that Jesus performed, every single one of them, he performed while being interrupted. So this dude was busy. Literally, the weight of the world was on his shoulders. Literally. And there came a moment where he sent out his disciples and said, I want you to go preach the gospel and pray for the sick. And they were gone for a few weeks and they came back and they were jacked. They were amped. Why? Because they were praying for people and they were getting healed. It was amazing. Hundreds and thousands were showing up and they come back to Jesus like, dude, this is awesome. Literally how they spoke. Guy was blind. I prayed for him. He could see. I was preaching and people were like, I've been waiting for this. Jesus, let's go. Let's go to the next city, the next village. Let's keep doing this thing. And Jesus was like, no. We got to get away and just go pray. Jesus! I, mean, I don't know what's happening. We got to do, come on, it's the time, it's the moment, it's why you're here. And Jesus said, no, wait a minute. We got to just step away. I believe that awareness increases when hurry decreases. Awareness increases when hurry decreases. You ever had friends flying into town to come visit? And they, if they're friends like mine, then what they do is they go, hey, if we fly into LAX, we'll save $150 on our ticket as opposed to flying into John Wayne. I'm like, great, Uber your way down here. No, no, it's okay. Our plane lands at 4.30 p.m. on Friday. I'm like, there's also a train. <laughs> don't, don't call me, right? Regardless of what airport you fly into, if you fly into LAX or John Wayne, you're going to see sights. Maybe LAX, you see the mountains and you see the Hollywood sign, Griffith Observatory, but you're flying at 350 miles an hour and you think, I want to go there. I want to go there, but you can't really appreciate it because you're going so fast. And then you jump in your car down the 405 and you're not going 65 on speed limit. You're at least going 90 because otherwise everyone's waving you at you with the one finger wave, right? Because 90 must be the appropriate speed. So you're flying down the highway and still things are flying by and you can't appreciate them. But if you were to pull up and park at the Dana Point headlands, get out of your car and there's a great dirt trail that takes you out on top of the point. You're walking at about two miles per hour. You can smell the flowers that are around you. You can actually taste the salty air of the waves crashing on the point just below you. Some of y'all are going to go there for lunch today. You can see whales in the distance and hear sea lions on the red buoy that's only 150 yards off. Why? Because you've slowed down enough to appreciate it. And some of you in this room are doing life running at 350 miles an hour and you just think that you're dealing with stuff. You think that because you hang out with friends on a regular basis that it's a real relationship. But my friends, that's called self-deception. You can hang out with somebody every day for three years and never ask the tough questions. Hey, how's your marriage doing? I know it's been a little bit tough and a little challenging, but man, I've, I've been praying for you. How are you? I know you've been praying for that one son or daughter that you have and hit those teenage years and it's been challenging, but man, I, how, how's that going? Man, I know you've been wanting to get a job and you've been waiting and praying, but we're going too fast. To build real relationships, to be transparent and honest, to work through the junk that we have, and can I be honest, we're going too fast to actually experience all that God wants to do in our lives. We're missing out on him. That's why Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Let me ask you another question. Do you have times of quiet, times of solace, Times of intentional inactivity in your life. And I'm not talking about accidental boredom. Like our, our plans got canceled tonight, so we really don't know what to do. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about scheduled downtime. This is one of the big tens, by the way. You know those things called the Ten Commandments, right? Y'all heard of those probably? Number four on that list is, hey, remember 
the Sabbath and keep it holy, which means there needs to, it's just air conditioned, it's all right. Everybody's like, the building is collapsing. We just want you to not sweat. When it comes to that idea of a Sabbath, we, we don't know exactly what to say or to do, and so we just kind of keep running and going. We don't actually have intentional downtime. And I believe that hurry decreases when commit contentment increases. So awareness increases when hurry decreases, and hurry decreases when contentment increases, which means we have to slow down enough to value and appreciate the things in our life. Look at what Philippians 4 says. This is Paul writing, and he says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I just wonder how many of us struggle with this idea of contentment, and that's why we live a hurried life, trying to conjure up or create this feeling or idea of happiness, fulfillment, accomplishment. Or maybe some of us running from our past. So I'm going to run as fast as I can for the next thing. Because if I slow down, I'm reminded of what I'm not grateful for. And, and some would argue that the key word in this verse is contentment. But I would say that it's I have learned. So what Paul is saying is it may not come naturally to you. It doesn't to me. But I, I got to train myself to be like, no way, I'm, I'm grateful for what I do have. And, and I think so many of us struggle with this concept, and I, I don't know about you, but for me, and I'm honest, this is transparency, for me, the reason I struggle with contentment is because I often see through the filter of the regret of my past. Like where I haven't gotten yet in my life, or what I haven't accomplished yet in my life. And so then everything that I look like just doesn't seem like it's good enough because maybe, if I'm honest, I don't feel like I'm good enough. And Paul's saying that if we shift that perspective and begin to be grateful for what we do have, maybe hurry will decrease so that I can become more aware of what it is that God wants to do in my life. Jesus talked about this too in Luke 12. He said, watch out and be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions. He's saying, hey guys, we started from dust. We're going to come to dust at the end. And in between somewhere, we're going to acquire some things. And things aren't bad. Things aren't a problem. As long as we don't make the mistake of finding happiness in things. So what is your contentment in? Can I just tell you as a rabbit trail for a moment, one of the best ways to learn contentment is through generosity. Uh-oh, wait a minute. Don't talk about this, Pastor Kerry. I know you got that like 30-second like, commercial break at the end of the service. Hey, thank you for remaining faithful to tithes and offerings. Hey, we worship in three ways. I get it. But let's not talk about giving. I've heard that before. And then we wonder why we struggle with contentment in our life. Why? Because when I live a life to be generous, everything shifts on its axis, and my life becomes about what I can give rather than what I can get. It's so funny, when it comes to following Jesus, we want to give him our heart, we want to give him our attitude, our spouse wants us to give him our habits, but our pocketbook just drags behind for weeks, months, even years sometimes. That's why when God said, hey, Return the tithe. He followed that by saying, I know you're not going to believe me. I know you're going to struggle with this, so test me in it. Watch. I will blow your face up with blessings. That's the carry paraphrase. This is a great way to become content. Another problem is that 90 to 95% of us, this isn't a problem, we would agree, yeah, you know, I need to slow down. My life is too crazy. My life is too busy. It's too hurried. And we would make the mistake that the step I should take is adjusting my schedule. So we'll go home today. We'll pull out the calendar and look at Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Okay, what about Thursday? Okay, we got downtime here, family time here, God time here, da da da, da. And that's a good thing. But the problem is if we just go home and adjust our calendar, eventually hurry will creep back in. 
Why? Because slowing down starts with your heart and not your schedule. If we can't find a way to be content, we'll always revert back to hurry. Always. And here's, here's a challenge. I think the challenge with this concept is that it just, if, we're, if we are being honest with each other, we realize that if we slow down, I'm going to be forced to ask myself some tough questions. And asking the questions is the easy part, right? But the challenge will be the answer. And then this process for me in preparation for this series and even for this message, I just really have taken this. I'm doing this too. I'm not just preaching to you. I'm walking this with you. One of the questions that came to my mind in the process of slowing down that I, I want to pose it to you today was this. When I think about my life, do I like who I am becoming? When I think about the decisions that I'm making, the life that I'm living, the priorities that I'm focused on, do I like who I'm becoming? And I just, I wonder if we're honest, how many of us might just go, I, I, I don't. I don't like who I'm becoming. Which is why I don't want to end our service here today, because that would be very discouraging for some. And I, I just want to leave you with a statement that I think really kind of is the overarching emphasis of this series of this message in the context of a freeway, and that's the statement that's really the message of Jesus, that who we were yesterday doesn't have to limit who we can become today. That's worth taking notes on. Who I was yesterday doesn't have to limit who I can become today something that's important in there. It doesn't have to. So many of us are follow the myth that God's going to force himself on us, make us live a certain way, and he never does that. He says, this is what I have for you. This is what I believe about you. This is the future that I have planned specifically, uniquely for you, but you get to choose. And I want to say that because as we take this journey of exploration of our soul to become aware to experience freedom, you need to know this, and this is mean, meant with all encouragement, that it's going to get harder before it gets easier. Because in order for me to actually process through and work through the things in my life, I'm going to have to uncover some stuff. And we get this, because if we haven't worked out and we start working out, it's been three years, I'm going to go run up that hill behind my house, I'm going to get 15 steps up the hill, and then fall over and pass out and think, that's it, I'm done. But if we'll stay at it for a few weeks, it gets a little bit easier. Now I can take 20 steps. After a couple months, I might go 35 or 40, right? So it might get harder before it gets easier, but just remember that who you were yesterday does not have to limit who you can become today. And that's God's hope and prayer for you. That's why he's designed life that we can live the freeway. To bring this service to a close, I want to pray a prayer for you, but really what I want to do is read a scripture over your life. You've heard it before, but would you just do me a favor as we close out today's service? Would you just bow your head and, and close your eyes? I want to just read this passage. It's found in Matthew chapter 11. You've probably heard it before. This is Jesus speaking. He says, come to me, all you who are weary. I wonder how many of us are weary or tired today, feeling empty and exhausted. This is Jesus saying, hey, I got you. Come to me all who are weary and burdened. Some of you feel like you're carrying the weight of the world. Maybe you feel like you're carrying the burden of your family. Maybe some of you in this room are carrying the burden of a secret sin, an addiction, something you haven't told anybody about, and it, it's just a burden that seems too big, but it might be preventing you from becoming who God's called you to become. And listen to what Jesus says for you today. I will give you rest. 
rest. He goes on to say, I will give you rest for your souls. And for many of us in this room, that's what we need. Not a nap, not a two-week vacation, but rest. And that's God's hope for you. So let me just pray for you real quickly as we come to the end of our service. God, we just thank you that this is your hope and your prayer for us. That if we feel weary or burdened or empty or exhausted or tired, or maybe even just disconnected, that you have a desire and a hope to give us rest. So God, we lean into you. We put our hope in you. Not in anything else, not in any circumstances, not in our heritage, not in our plans, not in our things, but we put our hope in you. Would you do a work today that only you can do? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Just a few more seconds. Just look at me for a few more seconds. I want to talk to a couple of you that are in this room. And maybe you're not really sure where it is that you stand on this whole religion thing or with Jesus. and Maybe you came in here today going, man, I, I want this freeway. I want to experience. I know I need this. But let me just tell you, there's a starting point for it. It's not through osmosis. And I'm not talking about church membership. And let me just encourage you by saying, I'm not talking about getting rid of your past or getting cleaned up and getting right before you start this thing with Jesus. I'm saying just right here, right now, in a moment, with no embarrassment, not to ask you to get out of your seat, but I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you're here today, you've said, I, I've never started this thing with Jesus. In a moment when I pray this prayer, I want to challenge you right where you are in the quietness of your heart or perhaps in a whisper. Just repeat this after me. And I believe that in that moment, God will do something miraculous in your life. I promise you this, life won't get perfect. I promise you this, your problems won't go away. But I also promise you this, that God's greatest plans for your life will begin to unfold and you can experience life the free way. If you're here and you've never prayed that prayer in a moment, no embarrassment, I want to challenge you to pray that with me. And look at me in the eyes. Some of you in this room have been running from God. And today is the day to come running back. You know it. You felt it from the moment you walked in this room. When I pray that prayer, I want to challenge you right where you're seated. Pray it with me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking around, nobody moving, no distractions. If you're here and you've never prayed this prayer, or if you're here and you need to pray it again for the first time in a long time, today is your day. This is your moment. Just in the quietness of your own heart or in a small whisper, repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me, that you've given me purpose. I've got blind spots, God. I'm not perfect. Would you forgive me? Now make this statement your own right where you're seated. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.